I'm here at everyone's favorite place, the lake. I want to talk to you about a virtue we need in the time of the virus. If we're going to make it through this thing together, we're going to need to dig into some ancient virtues that God has given in His Word. And we're going to have to rediscover them and really live them out like never before. Today's virtue is faith. And I want to challenge you to believe and have faith and to keep your eyes on Jesus and not the wind and the waves around us. Like so many of you, I love being around water. It's so refreshing, it's so enjoyable, it's so beautiful. Lakes, rivers, streams, the ocean. Heck, I'll even take a pool if that's all there is. Has man really improved on this beautiful thing that God has made? There's something special about it. But water, as many of you know, can also be quite dangerous. It can pull you under. It can be too cold sometimes for your lungs to handle it. Uh, and how many people have died in the water not knowing what lay below? There can be crippling temperatures, and many have met their deaths at the hands of the sea or raging rivers or even an unexpected flood. There's a lot to be learned about the natural order, about what matters, and about who God is and what He cares about just by looking at water, or better yet, looking into it. Is it any wonder that so many of Jesus' teaching and miracles happened around water? Miracles done in the water and on the water? Water's powerful. It's a powerful place to be. You Californians get this. I know you miss the beach because you talk about it all the time. And those of us who live up here in Spokane, even though there are dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of lakes, we all go to the same one every weekend when we say, hey, what are you doing? Me? I'm going to the lake. Now in the Bible, the Jordan River owned the Old Testament. But for Jesus and his disciples, the place to be was the Sea of Galilee. Now why they called it a sea is really kind of beyond our understanding. But in their primitive and ancient minds, its power, its mythology, its presence in their daily lives as a source of food and a source of meeting place and all of those things gave it a power. But it was just a little lake. At its deepest, it was only 141 feet deep. And even though it might be about four times bigger than this small lake, Deer Lake in Stevens County, it was only half as much shoreline as Lake Coeur d'Alene, which is not even our nation's biggest lake. And yet, this little lake, this Sea of Galilee, dominates the story of the Bible. And because of it, human history, because it's an epicenter of Jesus' ministry. The Bible says many were healed there. The disciples were called there to become fishers of men. He uttered the famous words, Peace, be still, to the wind and the waves. Remember when he cast those demons out of the two men and cast them into the pigs and they fell to their death? People believe that was in the Sea of Galilee. When he pulled a coin from a fish's mouth, answering a riddle of the Pharisees and saying, Render to Caesar what is Caesar and give to God what is God's. In that place and in that time, the Sea of Galilee, the miraculous catch that almost capsized the boat, the post-resurrection uh, restoration of Peter, and the story of faith and doubt that I tell you today, the day that Peter the disciple walked on water for a little bit, comes at the Sea of Galilee. Would you read with me and follow along on the screen in Matthew chapter 14? 
After feeding the 5,000, it says immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Okay, this is right after Jesus fed the 5,000. It must have been an exhausting and full day. He needed to recharge and get time with his heavenly Father. Now, it was a purely compassionate act, him feeding this 5,000. Some scholars think they only counted men in those days, and so it might have been 5,000 men and the women and the children. It could have been even a larger number. This was just a purely compassionate act. This isn't even why Jesus came to the earth. The people weren't starving. They weren't about to die from their hunger. They were simply hungry and grumbling and far from home. They were so engrossed in his teachings that collectively they had neglected to eat. After miraculously transforming the meager offering of a few loaves and fishes into a feast for them, exhausted, he retreats, or at least he tried to. Let's keep reading the narrative. Verse 24, Meanwhile, remember he'd sent the disciples on, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. You guys, this is so real. On this little lake, the lowest freshwater lake in the world, a simple squall could overtake their tiny boats and many seasoned fishermen met their maker flung overboard, unable to swim, helpless against the pole of the lake's bottom. And so their fear and their terror was real. And don't be fooled by the fact that some of them were professional fishermen. They still respected the sea. And many of them in the boat were not fishermen and were probably panicking even more. Back to the narrative. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. And in their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. Do you see what's going on here? I wake up often at three or four in the morning and I know he's Jesus. He's the son of God. But imagine uh, having to deal with something at that time of day. Moms get it, but the rest of us, we don't understand. In the fog and the haze, these exhausted and frazzled fishermen see a figure walking toward the boat. So not only are they dealing with a squall and with uh, wind and with uh, uh, waves all over the place and water splashing all over them, they now see a figure walking towards the boat and they scream out in unison and collectively one at a time it's a ghost now you need to understand this exclamation would be better read and understood this way not oh it's a ghost but it is death coming for us their supposition is not superstition in that moment they believed they were seeing an ancestor a forebearer or some bringer or foreboder of calamity the ghost means death and the miracle you are about to see is just the right miracle at just the right time not a moment too late as jesus the ghost is moving towards the boat Verse 27 says this, But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, 
he said, take courage, I am here. Now, Pastor Galen used to always make a point of when someone says, don't be afraid in the Bible, it's usually an angel or God, and your number one natural response is to be afraid. And so it's almost comical in that Jesus is saying, don't feel what feels exactly right to be feeling, feel instead something else. But we get to see, in a way they didn't yet, it's not a ghost, it's not death on the water, it's life. The one who is life, the one who is the way, the one who is the truth, the one who is the life. Their hero is here. But here's the problem. It's still windy, it's still storming, it's still freezing, they still can't hear each other and their shouts of instruction or panic and they can probably hardly even see each other. Through the storm comes the voice the voice they had come to love and to follow and to trust, the voice of Jesus. Do you hear the voice of Jesus? Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Now men and women, children that are listening, the threat of COVID-19, the coronavirus, it's real. The threat to our economy, it's here. And everything that that means, it's real. The fears of large gatherings and the spreading of germs, that's a real thing to feel. But you know what else is real? The words of Jesus. Don't be afraid. Take courage. It is I. In the fear, it's time for a step of faith. Then Peter called to him, the scriptures say, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and he walked on the water towards Jesus. Now I want to walk you through the steps of faith that are outlined in this passage in Matthew 14. Number one, faith starts by asking Jesus to bring you close. Did you notice in the scripture how Peter says, Lord, if it's really you, tell me what to do. It's okay to doubt, but when you do doubt, doubt in the direction of God. It's okay to doubt, but doubt in the direction of God. Now, when I was right out of high school, I had a real crisis of faith. I went through something personal where I felt like I was wronged and I was hurt and I was uh, alienated from a lot of my friends and I was dealing with all of that at the same time dealing with a deep anger and depression and pain in my life. And I remember vividly one night, I'd been such a good Christian boy since I received Jesus at 17 years old. But a couple years later, going through all this pain, I was so mad at God. I was so angry at God's people. And I remember I had never sworn in the last two years. I stopped swearing when I became a Christian. The Holy Spirit took it away. But that night I was so angry that I decided to start swearing again. And I'm calling the Lord names and I'm calling people names and I'm even uh, screaming into my pillow because I didn't live into my in my house alone, just cursing God, so angry. And after doing that for several minutes, I could sense the voice of God in my life saying this, are you done yet? Are you done yet? See, God could handle it. 
and he let me squirm and he let me fight, but he knew what I hadn't realized yet, that there was no way I was going to get away from him, away from his love, away from his grace and his purpose for my life. It's okay to doubt, but you got to doubt in the direction of God. See, I had been taught well by my youth pastor and disciples, and I believed the Bible, and I said, God, even though everything hurts and nothing in me feels like things are going to be okay, I choose to trust you. Heal me. Change me. Faith starts by asking Jesus to bring you close to him. And it's okay to doubt men and women, but when you doubt, doubt in the direction of God. God, pull me to you. God, help me. God, bring me where you are. The second thing I see is that faith is going toward Jesus. Similar, but a little different. Peter says, tell me to come to you. Catch that. Tell me to come to you. This is faith at work. I don't have any idea why Peter didn't say, Lord, if it's really you, get over here. But instead, he says, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you. Now, maybe Peter just saw the excitement of the Lord walking on the water and he wanted to do it too. But there's something deep and rich and spiritual here. Lord, if it's really you, not come over here but bring me to where you are. We need God to bring us over to his perspective, his attitude, his sacrificial spirit. Can you believe for just a moment that maybe, just maybe, God's answer for us isn't to take away the COVID-19 coronavirus easily or soon, but for us Christians to live and walk by faith during this terrible time. Third thing I see about faith is that it's, it's one that you would ex- expect. Faith is believing God for the impossible. Tell me to come to you on the water. So it's not just an attitude thing of, you know, I'm going to go be where God is, but it's a miraculous thing. Tell me to come to you walking on the water. Let's read on in verse 30. But when he, Peter, who is walking on the water, saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Save me, Lord. He'd gone from trust and joy and and jubilance and excitement and a spiritual high. He then saw the wind and the waves and he threw it all out the window and he said, Lord, basically, why are you letting me die? Help me, help me, help me. I think Peter actually did a good thing here after the bad thing. Faith is recognizing when you're flailing. When Peter realized he needed help the second time in this story, he said, save me, Lord, save me, Lord. Some of us are flailing right now. As I mentioned a couple weeks ago, this shutdown was a little bit exciting, a little bit intriguing at first. What's God going to do? How is the church going to change? What's life going to look like? But some of you are cracking up right now. Some of you are breaking up. Some of you are really hurting. You're spiraling. You're using. You're angry all the time. And there's something I really want you to notice in here. And this is kind of worth listening to the sermon today. We know that Peter saw the waves and freaked out. We know that happened. But did you notice when he saw the wind? When he saw the wind and the waves. 
it's not just the problem, which might be the waves, but it's the wind. Can you see the wind? Not really. You can see the effects of the wind. But I want to make a parallel to the situation we're in. How much when you get stressed or when you get worked up or when you get concerned or fearful or worrisome about your finances, about your health, about the future, about the church, about your kids, about schooling, about everything that's going on, how often are you genuinely terrified and how much is it because of the wind of cable news, the wind of the internet news, the wind of something you overheard or saw when you were out. How much of it is the emotional things that are getting in there? And, and so it's really interesting that Peter wasn't even troubled necessarily by what he was doing, walking by faith on the water. He was troubled by all the external noise and distraction, the wind. The wind might be the news. It might be criticism. It might be someone else getting on your case about what you're going to do about it. Verse 31, Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed Peter. Ye of little faith, Jesus said, why did you doubt? You know, Jesus says some really hard stuff to Peter. And Peter deserved it most times, right? Remember when he said, you know, Peter didn't like the plan of the cross and Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Remember when Peter said, you know, I will do everything for you. I will serve and I will lead. And he said, Peter, you will deny and disown me three times. And I don't know if this one hurt so much. But here he says, ye of little faith. Peter, you think you're a leader. Peter, you think you're the chief of the disciples. And Peter you don't even have enough faith. Why did you doubt? And Jesus' criticism is not, why would someone ever doubt? But Peter, you were walking on water. You had your eyes fixed on the God of the universe in human flesh, me, your teacher, Jesus. Why did you doubt when that was happening? I see also that faith is accepting the Lord's help. Let's read the close of the story. In verse 32, when they climbed back into the boat, Jesus and Peter together, the wind stopped. Don't miss the timing there. When it was all over, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. I see that faith is also worship. When we take a step of faith, we see God's work. We recognize his work and we worship him. I want to point out here, they may not have worshiped him till the wind stopped. And that's troubling and we relate to that. But I also want to point this out. When the wind stopped, the wind didn't stop until all of the excitement and all of the trial and all of the scariness and all of the suffering and he was firmly in the boat. God's answer was not to stop it even when he was saving Peter. He saved Peter and then they walked on water or he drugged Peter, you know, like a fallen water skier to the boat. I don't know. But the wind didn't stop till they got back in. And then we see faith is worship. I want to help you apply this scripture to your life.
Remember, we're trying to find new virtues or rediscover old biblical virtues in the time of the virus. And today's virtue is faith. Number, number one application, make your spiritual, make your faith and your spiritual growth your top central priority now. This is simple things like have a daily quiet time, use our daily devotional. I want you to devour the content that we're putting on YouTube. And not because it's the greatest in the world, but because it's something that's gonna help you grow and stay connected to your church family. And if you don't like what we're putting out there, there are literally millions of other resources in the world. And your spiritual growth is not my responsibility or anyone else's, it is firmly yours. And so make your faith and spiritual growth your top central priority now. Second application, I want you to start with some small steps of faith. If you're not ready to walk on water, start by singing out loud in your home. When we go to the worship time after this talk, crank it up so nobody can hear you and your voice, but sing to God. Don't just sit there. I mean, it's okay if that's where you're at and you don't like those words and you're not ready to express your heart to God. I don't want you to be a phony, but if you do love God, I want you to try. Do small steps of faith. Send a prayer text to someone. And don't just say, I'm praying for you, but send a text that do little quote marks and say, Lord, I'm praying for my friend today. And I pray that this happens or this happens, or I pray that you provide peace, whatever it is. Uh, start with small steps of faith. Keep giving money to God if you are worried that yours is going to dry up. My third application is to confess sin and repent of self-righteousness. I'm pulling this out of the attitude of Peter, the gung-ho-ness to be a leader and to be the first human to walk on water. But then when he failed and he flailed, he called out to the Lord. Confess your sin and repent of self-righteousness. If you're walking through the COVID-19 coronavirus era in your own strength, you have either already crashed or you're going to, and you need to walk in the strength of the Lord. So confess your sins and especially repent of the sin of self-righteousness, religious pride, or judgmentalism towards others. This has been an incredible story to walk through. The apostle Peter is amazing, but I wanna highlight that he recognized every time that he sinned and betrayed the Lord or just kind of flailed like he did today. Who could blame him this time for uh, having some trouble and having some doubt? He acted boldly. He often faltered, but then he quickly confessed and came back. You do the same. I want to challenge you to have the virtue of faith in the time of the virus, to believe and have faith. Keep your eyes on Jesus, not the wind and not the waves around you. Would you pray with me as we ready our hearts for worship? Lord, I just stop right now and I thank you for this beautiful place and this amazing message of faith. God, I pray that in a few moments when Colin gives an invitation for someone to start having faith in God through the Lord Jesus, that someone out there would accept it and ask Jesus Christ into their life to be their Lord and to forgive their sins. God, I pray for the Christians in our church that they would be strong in their faith and they would lead others and they would help others, that we would serve and bless one another. And God, I do ask that we'd not be distracted by the waves, of course, but make us 
extra sensitive to not even be distracted by the wind, the winds of criticism, the winds of doom, the winds of impatience, the winds of complaint. And may we fix our eyes firmly on the only one who has walked on water and not sunk, our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.